Welcome to Cathedral Square, hosted by Father Christopher Smith, Episcopal Vicar and Rector of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, California. For the next half hour, you'll have an opportunity to find out about some of the history, little-known facts, and the upcoming events at the beautiful campus on the corner of Chapman and Lewis, or, as we like to say, at the intersection of faith and reason. Welcome to Cathedral Square. I'm your host, Father Christopher Smith, Episcopal Vicar and Rector of Christ Cathedral in the Diocese of Orange. On Cathedral Square, we talk about all things related to our wonderful Christ Cathedral here in the Diocese of Orange, and it's great to have you with us today. Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Lisa Truxaw, and she serves as the Director of the Office for Worship here in the Diocese of Orange. Lisa has served in that capacity for over 17 years. And before that, she was in ministry at St. Vincent de Paul Parish in Huntington Beach. She worked with the RCIA process and liturgy there. So Lisa comes to us with a wealth of experience. I've really had a wonderful opportunity to work with Lisa over these many years. And so it's great to have you here, Lisa, and to have this conversation. Thank you. It's great to be with you as well. Lisa, could you just give us a sense of your ministry and, and what is involved in the the Office for Worship. I know it's multifaceted. If you just give us kind of a picture of that, it would be really wonderful to hear. Yeah, it's surprising that uh, we do as many different things as we do. I am responsible to the bishop for uh, the liturgical life of the diocese, so I assist him as chief liturgist by planning all of the major diocesan liturgies, such as Chrism Mass, Rites of Election, Ordinations, celebrations like World Day of the Sick that we host with other organizations. I assist parishes with questions that they might have about liturgy, liturgical calendar, how to celebrate sacraments or uh, questions along those lines. I oversee the process of RCIA for the bishop So I do formation as well as assist in implementing the vision for RCIA. Uh, We also, in the office, assist the bishop with oversight of construction and renovation of churches. Uh, So I've been able to be a part of all of the recently built churches, uh, including their rites of dedication. So there's been a few of them. It's been very exciting to be a part of that. Well, that is quite a variety of things that you are about. And, you know, uh, in our church, we say that the Eucharist is the source and the summit of our life as Catholics and at the heart of all we do liturgically. And as you were describing what you do, it is also clear that liturgy extends even further than the celebration of the Mass itself. Lisa, I know that you have, a, at least to me and many people, an interesting history in terms of your journey to the Catholic Church. Would you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah, I married a man who was Catholic, and due to health situations, basically decided that we needed a common spiritual home. Uh, I had been raised in the Nazarene and Baptist church traditions. In fact, my grandmother was a deaconess, so I would go to general assemblies in the Nazarene church and the summer camp meetings and all of that. And when it was time for us to get married, I wanted to get married in a church. I wasn't practicing at that point, so I wasn't tied to a particular church. And my husband, since he was Catholic, insisted that it be a Catholic church. So we were married at St. Boniface uh, in Anaheim. And uh, then after 
uh, we were married. When I became ill, we decided we needed a common spiritual home. My husband was not comfortable in the faith traditions that I had been raised in, uh, partly because they're not a liturgical church, and I was attracted to the liturgy of the Catholic Church. I attempted to check out the RCIA process in many churches and did not find them a very welcoming experience. They did not necessarily recognize the faith uh, that had been active in my life and in my family because of the fact that I was unbaptized. So I ended up meeting one-on-one with the pastor at St. Boniface uh, and was fully initiated at a Friday evening mass in June of 1986. So it was actually before RCIA was mandated. And at knowing what I know now, uh, it would have been helpful uh, if I had been able to talk about some of my uh, reasons for feeling uh, compelled to be baptized sooner rather than later, because if the priest that I had spoken to knew of the health history, they would have worked with me. But, you know, that's um, hindsight, right? Um, sure. We know this now. So once I was uh, fully initiated, I came to the pastor of St. Vincent de Paul and said, well, I'm fully initiated. Now I want to get involved with the community and started going to a liturgy planning class, ended up coming at the wrong time, and got roped into a Holy Week planning team. Wow, that's (laughs) a good initiation. And so have been involved with RCIA and liturgy ever since. Well, that's quite a journey. And speaking of journeys, I know that you've been on another significant one with me and many, many people in the development of Christ Cathedral. Could you say just a, a little word about your experience in in this development of the cathedral from your perspective of liturgy? It's been a fascinating journey uh, because it's been um, not a direct path, which is usually how we find our spiritual lives, right? But it has involved many, many people, and that has kept it interesting and also is a, um opportunity to form more people in liturgy, to deepen their own spiritual lives, uh, and even reaching out to non-Catholics in this whole process, because it began with obtaining the property, naming the cathedral, uh, working to choose the architectural team and the artists, and now working intensely on the dedication uh, liturgies as we prepare for the dedication. Lisa, this is really wonderful to listen to you and and hear about your experience here at Christ Cathedral. And I want to talk a little bit more about that in a minute and just want to remind you that you've been listening to Cathedral Square. I'm your host, Father Christopher Smith, and today we're talking with Lisa Truxa, who is the Director of the Office for Worship here in the Diocese of Orange. Lisa, in terms of the development of Christ Cathedral, Could you tell us about some of the specific things that you have needed to attend to uh, over the course of these years? Starting with the uh, naming, Bishop Brown wanted the title of the future cathedral to be Christological, and so uh, he wanted the input of the people of the diocese. So we came up with a process to solicit names, and the top name was Christ Cathedral, something nice and simple. And we also were able to establish a a patronal feast day. So um, most parishes have a patron saint that they're named after. When it's Christ, uh, when it's a title for Christ, 
you would use one of the feast days associated with Christ. And so the future patronal feast day for the cathedral will be the Feast of the Transfiguration. So that's very exciting because that was actually one of the names that people wanted early on. So it's a combination of all of those. Another providential point was when we were in the process of choosing architects, uh, we interviewed um, several different firms and the committee that was working on this had settled on two firms that each had strengths in different areas. And in discussing this over dinner one night, Somebody said, wouldn't it be great if we could have both of these firms involved? Yes, I remember I, that. You remember that, don't you? Yes. And um, we were dreaming about, wouldn't that be great because you'd get the best of both? And somebody finally said, why don't we ask the architects? And unbeknownst to all of us, the two architects had already worked together on major projects. And so it was a natural pairing of the two. And I think we have benefited from the creativity of these two different firms uh, in different ways. So that was a high point for me. Yes, I remember that, uh, Bishop Brown, the, the contest, if you will, to, to name the yeah. cathedral. And uh, people really got into it. I forget there were several thousand submissions yes. of, of yes. recommended names. Yes. And I think Christ Cathedral is just the perfect name for our cathedral, especially given its uh, its history, uh, its legacy with Dr. Schuler and now uh, becoming a a Catholic center of faith here for the Diocese of Orange. In these years since you've been working on the cathedral uh, project, what is something that has really inspired you or maybe uh, kept you going as as you've entered into this work here? Uh, The opportunity to be involved with the art that is part of the cathedral has been really special because, as we know, beauty helps us recognize God because God is all beauty. And so that has been a fascinating uh, process to review all of the artists that we, and then to eventually select an artist, recognizing that we're in a unique position in our diocese because of the cultural diversity. So we needed to consider how art would speak to various cultures not just um, one particular culture. And the church advises us that there is no one particular style or art that is the perfect, that we need to choose from the creativity of our time, as well as recognizing the patrimony, the traditions that have come before us. Uh, So we've been able to do that because the building is very contemporary, and yet we're introducing some very traditional images and uh, symbols into our worship space. Uh, So the the tapestry with the pancreator, the crux gemata uh, that beckons back to the Middle Ages, and some of our faith traditions within art there. Uh, So that has been a really special part of this and has been a spiritual boost to me, if you will. Yes, and I'm very happy with the program for Sacred Art that we have for the cathedral and look forward to people experiencing that firsthand when we have the dedication and afterwards. In terms of the development of Christ Cathedral from a liturgical point of view, what would you say are some of the things that you've had to keep in mind as as not only you've planned the the dedication liturgy, but also 
in your oversight of the Office for Worship now that we have this new cathedral? The challenge is always recognizing that people pray best in their mother tongue. Mm. And so that's the language of their heart and their language with God. So how do we incorporate languages without it being a cacophony? Especially when you're dealing with with liturgy of the hours, for example, where you have psalmody. If you break it up in too many languages, no one can pray. So the challenge is, how do you help people enter into praying without making the possibility of prayer moot, basically? Yes, you make a very good point, because in liturgy, you, you want to be lifted up to the Lord in communion with the people who are there, and you don't want the way that you do it be distracting yes. to what its main point is. And that is a challenge, especially when you're working with a multiplicity of languages and cultures. It also is helpful to remember that it's not just language that defines culture. Cultures move differently. They walk differently. They they approach colors and different symbols uh, in a different way because their worldview is different. So always being conscious and open to dialogue with the various cultures uh, so that the best choices can be determined is really key. So all of this work is really relational. Yes, that is very, very true. And that's what the liturgy is all about, our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. We're going to take a quick break now. And so I ask you to please stay with us. We have a elaborate and beautiful dedication mass coming up. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Lisa a little bit more about the specifics of that ceremony. Welcome back to Cathedral Square. I'm Father Christopher Smith, Rector of Christ Cathedral, your host. And today we are talking to Lisa Truxaw, who is the Director of the Office for Worship for the Diocese of Orange. Lisa, we have been talking about your role and some of the challenges and some of the key elements that have gone into not only your work as Director of the Office for Worship, but also the planning for the dedication of Christ Cathedral. The dedication mass itself is very elaborate and very rich liturgically. So I'm wondering if you can give us a sense of the elements that are involved in that dedication liturgy. Sure. Um, it's first off helpful to recognize that the dedication mass is an initiatory process for the building. Um, so just like a person goes through baptism, uh, anointing with sacred chrism and holy Eucharist. That's what will happen in this church. We begin outside the front doors. Actually, Bishop Van has chosen the option, uh, where we begin with the do- doors closed and gather outside of the doors. But the reality is, is with over 2,000 people being seated inside, we had to do that with a smaller group. Most of the people will be seated inside. There will be about five to 600 people gathered out on the plaza with Bishop Van as we begin the Mass. Everyone in, inside will be able to see what's going on. And so it is formally handed over to the bishop. 
by recognizing the financial gifts and stewardship that have made the the building process possible by giving bishop the architects will give the bishop a list of the plans and legal documents uh, that they've been responsible for and we will also have a list of all the workers that have been involved with the the building and renovation of our cathedral and then you actually will get to open the doors. I don't know if you knew that yet, but you, you get to know, press the button. I didn't know that. I just <laughs> you just let me know that. How wonderful. That's so, terrific. Bishop's going to say, "Father Christopher, open the doors." I love it. You're going to wow. be responsible for that. The doors will slowly open, the festal doors, and um we'll actually have four ways to walk or three ways to walk into the building. We'll have people process in from each of the chapels, the baptistry, as well as the Blessed Sacrament end of the building. They don't go actually into the chapels, but they enter that way. And then, of course, through the festal doors. Um, so that will be a very grand moment. Well, I've we been talking in. about those festal doors opening. I didn't know I would be the one that would be able yep. to open them for the first time. I'm kind of glad to be able to surprise you. That's what you know, on Cathedral Square, sometimes we do have news breaks. So there you have it, or breaking news. <laughs> so it'll be 45 seconds for those doors to open. There's been special music commissioned for this whole process, so it'll be a very exciting moment for us. Uh, and then the building gets sprinkled, and the people as well, uh, as a form of purification. Uh, we have the Liturgy of the Word then, the Word proclaimed for the first time at the Ambo and within the walls of the cathedral. Uh, and then we go into the actual dedication, which begins with a litany of saints, the Litany of Saints um, has been, we have some flexibility on which which saints that we uh, introduce into a Litany of Saints and Litany of Supplication. And so for us, uh, we are going to recognize the parishes of our diocese uh, by their saint name, as well as the relics that will be entombed into the altar itself. After the Litany of Saints, we do have the relics that are placed in the reliquary in the base of the altar to be entombed. Uh, and then there's a prayer of dedication. Uh, the bishop will anoint the altar. And then we will have 12 bishops and priests anointing the walls of the altar after that. Uh, then we have incense that is placed on the altar as our prayers rise like incense. Uh, we recognize our prayers rising to God as part of the dedication. The building itself will be incensed as well as the people. And then the altar gets prepared. The uh, sacred chrism is wiped off. New altar cloths are placed on. The candles are lit for the first time at the altar as well as in the dedication lamps. And then we begin the celebration of Eucharist. After Eucharist is celebrated... Uh, the bishop will bring the Blessed Sacrament to the Blessed Sacrament Chapel and place it in the tabernacle for the first time. Uh, so there's a whole journey and, and procession that happens with the Blessed Sacrament to the chapel. It is placed in the tabernacle, uh, incensed. The Blessed Sacrament Chapel light is lit for the first time, uh, and then that particular Mass concludes then. Lisa, you very beautifully put that the dedication liturgy is really uh, about the initiation of a building. Yes. And this is what I love about Catholic liturgy, because 
really the word liturgy has to do with the work of the people or the sense of the people. And part of the work, not as in labor, but more as in mission, I would put it that way, is to give praise and worship to our Lord Jesus Christ. And we do that as those who were initiated at one time into the church through baptism. And as you were describing the dedication mass, many of the elements that are in that rite of baptism are part of the rite of the dedication. Yep. The sprinkling rite with water, the anointing of the walls, just like we anoint a person in the anointing of the, the altar, and the incense as we, we reverence each other. The building itself is incensed. And uh, baptism has to do with being clothed in Jesus Christ, and we have a baptismal garment. And there's the clothing of the altar that happens as part of it. And then at baptism, there's also a candle that is lit from the Easter candle, a sign of our carrying on the proclamation of the resurrection of Jesus. And there are 12 dedication candles that will be lit for the first time on that dedication day. One of the scriptures that I love that has to do with us as the people of God is the one that talks about us as a living temple and not made of stone, but made of uh, our people. And and the the living temple idea really comes out through the dedication mass as the temple, if you will, or the church, if you will, really is adorned with the same kinds of liturgical elements that we are when we're initiated into the church. So that makes that liturgy just wonderful. And I know that you've also been part of the dedication of a number of churches. Yes. But I have this question to ask you. How many cathedrals have you ever been part of dedicating? <laughs> this is my first and likely only one. <laughs> yes. um, I was able to go to the evening prayer at the cathedral in L.A., the Cathedral of Our Lady of the Angels, uh, but not to the dedication mass. So this will be my first one. Yes. Well, and you probably, though, were, went there as a participant. Yes. Not as a planner. Oh, not as a planner. No, I was there to pray with the people. So yeah. uh, this is completely different. And and that reminds me of this unique privilege that, that we and many have been given. How many times do you get to be part of the dedication of a cathedral and all that goes into it? This is a one-time event. And the thing that I'm very conscious of right now as we prepare is the number of people that are involved with this. I have a list because I'm doing rehearsals and all the preparation that normally happens with liturgy, and it's over uh, 400 names. Wow. So it's it's quite large just trying to get your arms wrapped around all of that. So Many, many people. Again, liturgy, the work of the people. Yes. <laughs> we're, 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 we're all involved in some way. Yes. Lisa, there are other events in addition to the dedication mass that you have been part of and, and a central person in helping to plan. One of them has to do with the evening prayer the night before and the vigil with the relics that will be placed in the reliquary on the day of the dedication. Could you tell us a little bit about those other events that you have been part of planning? We have been able to obtain the 10 different, well, soon to be 10 different relics. Um, we have uh, relics from three North American martyrs, Jesuits, who were killed in Iroquois wars in the 1600s. We have the relic of St. Andrew Zung Lok uh, from Vietnam that was obtained and given to us by the Archdiocese of Hanoi. We have the relic of St. Andrew Kim Tagon from the Archdiocese of Seoul. 
we have two of the uh, Mexican martyrs from the Cristeros War. We have another uh, relic of a Mexican bishop who uh, served during the Mexican uh, Revolution, healing people. We have the relic of St. Winnipero Serra, who got things started in our diocese by establishing the California missions. And uh, the last one that we will be obtaining, I don't have custody of it yet, but I, it is on its way, is the relic of St. Pope John Paul II. And the diversity of the relics also reflects the diversity of the people who make up our diocese. Yes. So we will begin with evening prayer in the Arboretum, a ticketed event. Uh, and then at the end of the church's liturgy of the hours, uh, evening prayer, in other words, we will process out to the front doors of the cathedral where the relics will be placed uh, for veneration. People of the diocese are welcome to join us on the plaza for uh, this veneration. We will begin by the church's extended vigil, which is basically the divine office. Uh, so if people aren't familiar with the liturgy of the hours, this is a great time to be able to experience it. Uh, and then after the church's official liturgy, we have four different cultural groups who will spend time in veneration of the relics by songs, uh, as well as a litany and prayer in their particular language. So again, another way of incorporating the diversity within our diocese as we prepare to dedicate the liturgy. And then the day after the dedication mass, we have solemn evening prayer and thanksgiving, uh, because we as Catholics always continue our celebrations for at least three days, right? Of Um, course. And so uh, we will have an opportunity to invite our ecumenical and even in religious brothers and sisters to join us in prayer, uh, in Christian prayer in the cathedral. Well, we have a number of wonderful events that are being planned. And uh, we and I am so grateful for all of the work that you have done and continue to do to help this happen. I'm going to say this because I love this little title I've given to Lisa. She she has planned many, many blessings over these years as we've blessed this room and that shrine and the, many, many things. And Lisa plans all those. So I refer to Lisa as Lady Blessing. <laughs> and she's been just great in, in all of this work. And uh, as we've said before, the events for the cathedral are ticketed because of the numbers we've limited. And uh, we will be live streaming these liturgies uh, on our diocesan website and maybe uh, on EWTN. I'm not sure exactly yet about that. However, uh, stay tuned and we'll tell you more about that. You have been listening to Cathedral Square. We can be heard on Saturday mornings at 1030 in the morning on Relevant Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may God continue to bless us, and may all that we do continue to give God glory and praise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Cathedral Square Radio Show with Father Christopher Smith. To hear this program again, or to download the podcast, go to OCCatholic.com and click Radio. Be sure to share and tell a friend as well. Have a blessed day.